out of your way. But this thinking thing in the mind doesn't work very much. I'm preaching while you're standing, but I got to say this. It's important. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he didn't whisper. He yelled. Did he have to do it? I don't know. But he yelled out. And Lazarus came forth. We need to speak the word, okay? Put that up for us, please. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Notice, until he opens your ears, you turn away. I say, please be seated. I see Christians easily, I mean, they hear something and immediately they say, I don't believe that. And there's something there, they don't know where they got it from, they heard it from somebody. And, and they always go that way. And I'm thinking, where did you get that? I've made my mistakes by just writing up people that I hear Christians say they are not right, they are saying something wrong. But Nicodemus said something. You know, you all of us know who Nicodemus is. Nicodemus was the uh, teacher that went to Jesus by night. Uh, later, they were accusing Jesus and saying he's not of God. He does this and all of that. And Nicodemus said to them, Does our Lord judge a man until you hear him and you see what he's doing? Until you hear the man through and you see what they're doing, you can't make judgment. I always try to reserve judgments concerning ministers. I don't know them. I hear people say things about them, but if I'm really interested, I will search for what they're doing. And usually I find out that these are very sincere people to God, and they love God and are doing God's work. And it's just part of the persecution, and it's more painful when it's coming from your brothers and sisters and want to make them back off. But that's what the enemy wants. So that we don't receive from God. So I always try to be very careful. I just don't know. I don't like to hang around Christians that are talking about some other minister, what they're doing. Everybody has their own calling. They have to be faithful to what God called them to do. And I'm not going to be in their way. I've got to leave them. I'm not their judge. He is their judge. If they're doing what is not right, he won't bless it. If they're doing what is right, God will bless it, whether you like it or not. God's going to bless it. So stay with the word. Line everything up with the word. It's very important. I'm not going, I listen to ministers sometimes, they say something, and it's like, I've never heard that before. I don't know where that came from, but no judgment. I'll go, I like it, because it makes me go back, and I'll pick up the Bible, and I'm researching and finding out where they got that from. And if I can't come to a conclusion, well, I'm not there yet, I put it on the shelf. But no judgment yet. Because that's how, when we make judgment, if it's truly coming from God, you're judging God, if it's in His Word. And so we don't do that. You can't have faith in something that you rejected from the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. If you reject the Word for whatever reason, you've rejected God, because God and his word are one and the same. Amen? 
And so I have to receive the word. Whether it makes sense to me or not, whether it agrees with my philosophy or not, if it's in the word, it's there for us. And I've told us here a story about this fellow that his church believed certain things and everything that his church didn't believe. He tore those pages off from his Bible. Until his Bible was so thin, he says, that's all they truly believe in their church. He's torn everything off. He said, every time pastor says, that doesn't apply to us today in our time, that was then, he goes and finds that place in his Bible and he rips it off. And he had almost ripped up all the Bible. Now he had just a little left that they believe. We cannot do that. Amen? Tonight I'm talking about blessing. Uh, the blessing from God. Now, let's, let's realize this. Abraham was before the law. And so God calls us children of Abraham. Because there was a covenant between God and Abraham. You notice, if you follow the way things are in the scriptures, Abraham gave his only begotten son, right? Isaac, on the altar. They were covenant people, God and Abraham. And God called Abraham his friend. So his friend, when God demanded his son, he was willing to do it. Now, for us, God gave his only son. Because of the covenant. So we bypass the law and we stay with grace because Abraham was before the law. Abraham was before Moses. So everything that happened with Abraham must happen to us. or That's part of our uh, inheritance, our heritage, because that's the way God worked. Abraham believed in God. That's how he got his righteousness. Before the law. So we always have to look to Abraham and see what God did with Abraham. And the law helps us to understand more. And the prophets explaining the law for us to understand. But we are the fulfillment of the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. How? To fulfill the law, all his demands, and also upon our lives. So that everything that the law demands, we can meet that fully. And the blessings that come with obeying the law will come upon us. And so these blessings are for us. And this is uh, written there in Deuteronomy 28, verse, beginning from verse 3 through 6. I'll go with that. He says, Blessed shall you be in the city. If you obey everything that God says, but no one is able to obey everything that God says. But God still wants to bless. And in the Old Testament, it says, If you, but in, in him... In Jesus, the Bible says we are complete in Christ. So these blessings are for us because the Bible tells us in Galatians 3, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So we don't have the curse of the law. We have the blessing of the law, which is the blessing of Abraham. But this is part of it. He tells you, blessed you will be in the city. So if you live in Houston and you are following God, you are blessed. Now, what's the definition of bless, blessing? The Bible tells us that too. You want to know what it is? It says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. 
You want to define rich? I don't know how to define that. You can talk to God about it. But that's what he said. When God blesses you, that's what God says. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. The trouble is we're not willing to believe that. We're not willing to believe that. We want to have it our own way. We want to analyze it and decide, well, I'm not a doctor. How is that going to happen? Did God say the blessing of a doctor makes one rich? See? That's for both of us. We are not able to accept it. We have all this reasoning in our mind. How can that be? Well, you're questioning God and that's doubt. That's unbelief. So what you doubt cannot come to you. I mean, what you doubt, when God speaks his word, God says to accept it. When you accept it, you honor him. Especially when it doesn't make sense. Especially when you think it's not possible. When you accept it, it comes to you. When you reject it, God cannot work with you. You know, as Bill was, sta- Bill was standing up here, something I love about this brother, years ago, give me permission to speak, thank you very much. <laughs> years ago, Bill came, and, you know, I was teaching some of these messages at that time. And Bill didn't have, Bill didn't have a job. And they were, I think they were threatening to sell your home or something like that. It was really bad. But I was talking about the fact that you need to speak the word. You need to confess what you believe. Every Wednesday night, there was somebody that was going to testify. It was Bill. Bill will always stand and God says, God has blessed him and all of that. But the guy had nothing. I mean, he was wasting away. Things were going very bad. But he was speaking the word. He was speaking every Wednesday night. He testified that God has blessed him and he is blessed. And boldly he said, you know, before long God gave Bill the best job he's ever had in his entire life. True. He's never made that much money in his life until that time. So God came through. I saw with my own eyes. I heard it with, my, with somebody in our church confessing every Wednesday. I'm sure for those who say, yeah, he's saying all of that, but he can't pay his bills. <laughs> they, they, I mean, I don't say anyone was saying it, but it was almost every Wednesday he did that. Confessing boldly what he saw in the scriptures. And God gave him a job, and he, Bill came to my house. I was living in Ryan Oaks, where he said, Pastor, God has blessed me. I said, yes. He said, I, I, want, I have uh, good and bad news for you. I don't know if you remember. I said, give me the bad news. I can handle it. I mean, give me the good news. I, I will handle the bad one later. Tell me the good one. And he told me about this job, and I was happy. He said, but the bad news is, God's taking me to Louisiana. I said, you can go. That's not the business. I've seen God work in your life. That's good enough for me. And he went, but God brought him back, okay? <laughs> God brought him back. This word works. The word works. Whether it's healing, no matter what it is, salvation, if you accept it in this word, by and by, it's going to happen. The trouble is, we want it now. And if it doesn't happen now, then you say, well, then sit and say, are you sure God hurts you? And, and you say, huh, I don't know. Tell me more. <laughs> 
And Satan whispers, man, I'm sure he didn't tell you. And then you go, I know he didn't. I, he can't be God. Well, pastor started again talking about this stuff that doesn't work. Guess what? He's got you in the corner. And God cannot work. When Peter was thinking, Jesus said, Why, where is your faith? Your faith, you know. Why did you doubt? He was walking on water, just a little doubt. And that was it. So I can tell you clearly, my problem, your problem, you, we just can't accept God's word. It just doesn't make sense to us. And the trouble is, we've heard other voices. So many people telling us things, and then we observe with our eyes what's happening among Christians, and we say, well, why would God do it? He's not doing it for everybody. Well, God doesn't do it for everybody. He does it for those who believe. That's just the truth. Only those who believe. If you can only believe. Jesus said, all things are possible if you can believe. And that's what he's saying. He says, you are blessed in the city. So if you live in the city, you are blessed. You are blessed. And he says, blessed shall you be in the country. And I was thinking, country, what does this mean? Even if you live in Thai, Thai, Georgia, you are blessed. Thai, Thai, Georgia, I know where Thai, Thai is in Georgia. They don't even have to up to a thousand people in the whole city. That's the country. But even if you live there and you follow God's principles, God says, I'll find you there and bless you. You can't run away from my blessing if you follow my way. That's what God is saying. Whether you're in the city or you are in the country, whether there are resources there or there are no resources there, God's going to bless you. You know, I'm going to digress. When I came back to, when I came to the United States, all I was sharing among Christians is, well, why does he preach that God wants to bless you and give you financial blessings? If he's preaching that way, why don't he go to Africa and, and preach to them about God blessing them financially? Guess where the, the richest preachers are in the world today? They are in Africa. God has shown Americans, don't, don't challenge me, okay? There is a church there that has probably three jets for their ministries around the world. Three. At least three. They, don't, they build their buildings not with loans. Paid for. Because the pastor said, I don't want any money from America. I don't want any money from England. don't want any money from France. If God, you can't give us the money here, the building is not going to be built. It's challenged God. He was here in the United States. He said, uh, uh, a preacher, you know, when they see a, a, a pastor from Africa, they always assume they have needs, right? And the pastor walked to him and said, hey, uh, uh, how is your church doing? He says, fine. And the pastor, you know, big preacher, and he said, he said, uh, do you have any need? And he says, what do you mean? He said, do you have any need? Like you have financial needs so we can help. He turned to him and said, we don't have any need, but if you have need, we'll help you. <laughs> the guy was shocked. He didn't want to hear that. If you can believe, God is able to do it. The thing that's holding us back is because we will not believe what God says. 
God says you are blessed in this in country. You, are, you have to understand, when you receive Christ, there is a part of you that is God. You are not ordinary anymore. That's just the truth. I realized that because somebody, I think I was at, you know, does God always walk through you in healing? Yes, because God lives in me. If my mind tells me or something tells me, pray for that person that's sick, I don't care where I am, the person is going to be healed. Why? Because Jesus, didn't you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior? Didn't you say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart? Well, what did he do when you said, when you said that? Jesus came into your heart. Who is Jesus? Is he not God? Does he come into your heart and then jump out of your heart at the next day? He's still there everywhere you go. There is a part of your being that's God. So you are not ordinary. That's why Paul said, you, why are you Corinthians acting like mere men, just ordinary men? You're not that way anymore. Your faith has transformed you from just an ordinary man into somebody who is a fa- part of the family of God, and you carry part of the divine being in you everywhere you go. So please understand that. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body. I, I asked somebody, what is the meaning of that? Who is the object of the blessing? Can you all tell me? Somebody shout here. Look, blessed shall be the fruit of the body. Right? Is it the body, the person, the fruit of the body? That's the child, right? So who is the object of the blessing? The child, right? Blessed shall be the fruit of the body or the womb. Blessed. So I saw this scripture years ago and I decided every child that comes through my family, the child is already blessed before they got here. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, that's the truth. I held on to that. And I decided, I, I, I asked, it was a Sunday school class back when I was in Georgia. And I was teaching that class. I made them all mad. I mean, they were angry at me. They told me, good luck, you are taking this thing too far. Because I told them, I asked them a simple question. If you say, God bless shall be the fruit of the womb, right? That's what it says in King James. Blessed shall be the fruit of the womb. I said, what if the child is born and has no eyes? <laughs> and they, they can't breathe well. Would you show that to your Muslim friend and say, look at what God has blessed my family with, right? Would you do that? The guy would say, thank God he blessed you, but tell this your God not to bless me that way. It's too hard for you guys. But that's the way I saw it. And then when my son told you was born, his liver wasn't working much well. You know the story. And, and then I was told uh, he's going to be a, uh, mentally retarded all his life. My brother-in-law, a doctor, they came. My sister-in-law, Angela, that's also a medical doctor. They were telling me my home. And she sat down, says, good luck, let me explain what's going on. Because she's a pediatrician. She was explaining to me. And I told her very clearly, that's not going to happen to my son. He was at that point at the hospital. We, they just go home. He's going to be here for a long time. And all the doctors gather and they're talking about what to happen, what, what, what to do with him. And they, I had a call from Austin. They said, we got record that this has happened to him. He's going to be mentally retarded all his life. 
And so my sister-in-law, because I wasn't showing signs like sad and crying, so she decided, doctor, to, to educate me as to what's going on. Hello? And so she sat me down, and she was educating me, and, and I was looking at her, and she, when she got through, I said to her, that's not going to happen to my son. And she's like, you know how they roll their eyes? This my brother-in-law is lost his mind. And I told her, I said, listen, I dealt with what you're talking to me about uh, right now. Uh, told you was born 1997. And this, I said, I said to her, I dealt with what you're talking to me about now in 1987. And she looked at me. You knew this was going to happen 1987? No. That scripture we just read. Okay? That scripture. That was what I was telling. I said, I tried it. They fought me then. Now I'm having to deal with it. And I'm not going to cry or beg. My son is not going to be mentally retarded. When this is over, he's going to be fine. You saw him singing up here, right? He's not mentally retarded. He's in Rice University. Okay? That's the God that we serve. You know, I could have cried. I think somebody said, you are not showing any sign like you are really innocent. So if I cry, would that change anything? What will happen if I cry? Oh, my son. Oh, God, please help me. It doesn't change anything. He's still going to be sick. At Bentob or wherever they, put, they had him in the hospital there. We have to believe the word. Amen? And that's when it works. There is a God. And until we stand believing God and trusting God, things will come, troubles will come our way. Just because you believe, you are going to be tested. Hello? Everybody wants a promotion, but nobody wants to take the test. You don't go to the next level until you've taken the exam. And it's not fun taking the exam. They are trying to see, if you know what you really say, you know. So we got it. God has to put us through a test. He tested Abraham. He says, and God tested Abraham. Give me your son, right? <laughs> you think the guy slept well that night? Sometimes we think that those people were just like spirits. They were not really human. He was a human being. Had all the feelings, all the thoughts going through his head. What's going to happen? We have to believe the word. Amen? God says your, bre- your baskets will be blessed. Okay? Blessed shall you be, verse 6. When you come in, you're blessed. When you go out, you're blessed. You know, we should be saying this, okay? When God says something, you repeat it. That means you are in agreement with it. It's not good just sharing because, I mean, we can't go anywhere preaching, but what's written in the Word, right? You hear the same thing all the time. But don't be a hearer alone. Be a, a doer of the word. And the best way to do something like this, say it with your mouth. Let your ears hear what you're saying. And let the devil hear it. Amen. And let God also hear it. And the angels hear it. And so the, everybody knows you believe. Does, does this person really believe in this? I'm blessed. I like it when people tell me I'm highly favored. Oh, I feel good hearing it. I'm blessed and highly favored. Because that's what we should say. You think David just sat down 
and, and say, I'm going to write scriptures now. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. No, he was saying it, right? He was saying it. And that's what he wrote down for us, and we read it and say, how nice. No, say it as well. God recorded that for us to say, because he wants to bless us. And until you say it or act on it, you don't get the miracle. It's just mere words. But when you say it and you believe it, it transforms itself from just something written on paper to a living word that changes things. Because God's holding everything together by the word of his power. Your life is being held together. Your finances being held together. Everything is held together through his word. And you get the words. Why don't you say more of the words? And see what happens to your life. Speak the word against the things that Satan is coming against you with. Because that's the medicine. I'm so glad how we take our medicine, right? The doctor tells you take this medicine three days, three times a day, right? Guess what? We are so religious about that. Right? We're going to pick it. Yes, doctor, why are you doing that? Well, doctor said to do it. Well, doctor Jesus said to speak the word, right? How often do you do that? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, right? You shall meditate in it day and night. Well, it's departed from your mouth. You're not taking your medicine. And you want to be well without taking your medicine? Let the doctor tell you what to do with your medicine, and then you have an appointment, and then you tell him that you haven't been taking your medicine. You're going to hear some words from the doctor. Right? You haven't been taking your medicine. Dr. Jesus says to do this. Amen? I got to go back. I'm digressing a lot. Verse 8. God says, The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouse and in all to which you set your hand and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. God is giving you, this is United States. What's that? Your storehouse. Storehouse is where you save your money, right? Or your investment, right? God says he is going to bless your investment. Can I hear an amen? If you got one, he wants to bless your investment. Try it. And he said, well, I don't have an investment. Well, start one. Because he said he will bless your investment. In that time, it was your storehouse. Your retirement money. Amen? It's not God blessing your retirement. He's blessing your retirement money. And he'll make it multiply so he takes care of you for your retirement. These things are in the word. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. These things are there in the word. The Lord in verse uh, 9 says, The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself. A holy people separate unto himself. You're special. You're a priesthood unto God. God separates you unto himself. Just as he has sworn to you. If you keep his commandments. Then he says, All the people shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. And they shall be afraid of you. The way I see that is you are the light of the world. Okay? And the salt of the earth. 
they know there's something different about you. And so they come to you when things are hard. Christians are not supposed to be afraid of anything. I, that's usually fear comes into my heart. I have a battle. You know, I'm just going to get rid of it immediately, no matter what it is. Because Jesus has said, everyone that comes to me must have heard from the Father before they come. You can't come to Jesus if God himself didn't speak to you first. Jesus was clear about that. He says, why don't you hear my word? Because you are not of the Father. You listen to me, Jesus said in John, because you heard from the Father. He made it clear. Everyone who hears from the Father comes to me. And he who comes to me, because he's coming from the Father, I will not reject. So God pulled you to himself. You belong to God. Jesus said in John 17, he says, they were yours, you gave them to me. So God gave you to the Lord Jesus. And Jesus said, all that you gave to me, I kept them. I haven't lost a single one of them, except the son of perdition, that Judas. And I feel good about that. God saw and he brought me to him. I have a privileged place in the world. And you too, you have it. We just don't realize that. And so Satan is harassing us because we don't realize who God has made us. We think of ourselves less than God thinks of us. And so Satan knows my people perish for lack of knowledge. They don't know it. But once you find out the truth, then you stand. And you shake yourself just like Samson. And you're ready to take on the enemy. That's what he's saying. Verse 12. The Lord will open to you his good treasure. The heaven. God will open to you. These are not just words. God means everything that he's saying. We just haven't believed it. And we haven't asked God. When you see a promise, take it to God in prayer. God, this is what you said. And stay, if you stay in faith, don't just give up, stay in faith. We quickly give up and we become hopeless. You know, there was a, I heard the story, I believe it was from Larry Hutton, of this woman who was retired. And Larry was in the church pre- preaching on, on finances and talking about paying your tithe. Larry is very strong about paying your tithe. He says you pay from the gross. <laughs> I mean, from the... Not the gross, the total amount. The gross, yes. Sorry. Uh, he said you paid from the gross. And, and he was very insistent on that. And this woman said, well, I only get this little uh, retirement check. And it's little. I can't pay. I can't pay that. Uh, but Larry preached to them. And she went to him after the message and said, after, the, you know, he stays for about two, three days. And preaching to them about paying the tithe. God will bless you. When you obey, God's going to bless you. And uh, went to the, the woman went to her and said, Look, if I paid tithe, and this is not a message on tithe. I, that's up to an individual. But it's a question of faith. If you're not paying, you can't trust God. That's what it is. And he knows it. And the devil knows it. He knows what's going on. 
And she said, look, uh, Larry, I just know where, I, I believe everything you're saying, but I cannot afford to do this. And she was really intense, you know, talking to him, and he said, lady, I'm just a messenger. You do what you want to do. I don't, that's not, my job is to tell, and you do what you have to do. And Larry said he left for a long time. And then, you know, this evangelist, they go, he's been here. I think he was in our church when we were back that way. And he just came last year or this year, early part. But after he traveled a lot and then he came back, preached the same type of message again in the church. And then when he got through preaching, he went somewhere, just standing, pastor was dealing with the congregation. And this woman was approaching him. And he looked and recognized that. said, oh God, here we go again. She's coming to fight with me about this stuff. And she, she went to him and said, Hey, Brother Larry, how is your ministry? And he said, Well, yeah, ministry is fine. He was waiting for <laughs> the real argument about paying the tithe. And she said, uh, How is the ministry? He said, Well, fine. Has God treated you fine? And then she said, I'm going to give, and she, according to he said, she mentioned an ungodly amount to your ministry. And he said, Oh, yeah. And she said, I know you don't believe me. You're standing before a multi-millionaire. Yeah. How did that happen? He said, I was driving one day, sitting by. I, I decided I needed to do what you said, even if it killed me. And I was driving, and I stood, I stopped my car because the, uh, the train was going by. And as I was sitting there, some th- a thought came into my head. And I wonder, why how come nobody thought about this? It was that something, an idea, business idea, product, product or something. And she put it to talk to some people, gathered patents and everything. They built something. And the money came to visit with her. I thought this money was coming to visit with her. <laughs> she kept the visitor, okay? And that's how God is. It's never too late. It's never too late. She was already retired, and God still blessed her. So God opens the windows of heaven, and he blesses us. God says, you will never borrow. So if you were in debt, God wants to cancel the debt. Because the Bible tells us in Psalm 22, verse 7, the borrower is a servant to the one who loans the money to you. So God doesn't want us to be that way. God has taken, assumed the responsibility to take care of us, just like he did for Adam. God planted the garden for Adam. Adam didn't plant the garden. Remember? God was the one that planted the garden for Adam. You're wondering why, why he would have, should have asked Adam to, to plant the garden. God took responsibility of taking care of Adam. He planted the garden and he just said, you take care of it. That was all. God is still doing that for us. Jesus is taking responsibility for our well-being. Read Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Please understand, this is talking about atonement. This is talking about Jesus dying on the cross for us. And read it with understanding, okay? This is very important here. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have experienced the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, right? Yet for your sakes, he became poor that you through his poverty 
might become rich. That's in the scripture. Somebody say, well, I don't know about that. Guess what that is? That's doubt. And if you don't believe it, why don't you rip that page from your Bible? So you don't have to bother reading it again. And it makes you mad every time you read it. Just rip it off. But that's in the Word. Don't fight what the Word says. That's why God says, don't lean on your own understanding. You don't know what God's doing. If God draws your attention to a scripture like that, stay with it. And you're going to have brothers that tell you, we think something, why do you always go there? They didn't call you, God called you, amen? He knows his plan for your life. Stay with what God has shown you. Don't get away with it, away from it. When I, years ago, I was talking a lot about healing. I, the people, I mean, I had a fellow one day ask me, you talk so much about healing. Have you healed anybody? And at that time, there was nobody. <laughs> so I said, you have a point about that, okay? You're right. I've never done it. But I, I, he won't listen. I found another person to talk to, <laughs> even though that's never happened. But until God confirms his word, stay with it because it's going to come through with time. Amen? He became poor. When God tells us something, Jesus actually emptied himself and became poor so that you can have, not for yourself, like he says in in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, he gave you the power to get wealth so he will establish his covenant with you. That's what he says. And until we open up and believe it, we don't have a storehouse that God can pour into. Remember in Malachi chapter 3, he says, I will open up the windows of heaven that there will not be room. We don't create room when we reject the word of God. God bless Abraham. And I'm going to continue with this. Uh, Sometimes we talk about labor. We always think, you know, I have to be a doctor. Maybe I have to work hard. I have to do this. God can bless you with anything. (laughs) There are doctors that are struggling. I know, I heard about a doctor. The mom has to buy him a car. They don't know what's happening to this money. They work hard. Every profession has the rich and the poor in the same profession. That's just the way it is. It's not hard work that brings the blessing. God has to bless you. Let me show you something here. In John chapter 6, Jesus had uh, multiplied bread. And uh, they came to him uh, uh, to eat bread. That's what Jesus said. You're looking for me. Not because you saw the miracle, but because you ate bread and you got your stomach filled. And now you want more bread and fish, miracle bread. And Jesus said to them in verse 27, Do not, the word there is labor, right? Do not labor for the food which perishes. But labor for the food which endures to everlasting life. So everlasting life over there. The, the food that endures. Basically, you get it now and it continues, right? That's what it's saying. Labor for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. 
So if you labor, he'll give you. That's what Jesus said. But he's not saying not to labor. He's saying you should labor for that kind that will last into eternity, right? That's what he's saying here. And we need to understand what he's saying. Labor, yes, I need to labor. But for something that will benefit me here and benefit me over there through eternity because God was the one that gave it to me. Do you understand? That was the reward of your labor. That's what it says. Which I will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. So Jesus has the right to do this for you. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may walk the works of God? Basically, we want to labor. Is that not what that means? You're talking about labor? We want to labor. What can we do so we do the works of God? How many are asking the questions here? That's what they ask. What shall we do that we may walk the works of God? We want to labor for God, but we want to walk that kind of labor that pleases God. The one you're talking about, Jesus. Guess what Jesus told them? told them. He said to them, this is the work of God. In other words, this is the labor of God. What's the labor? Believe. Believe is the labor. Can you get it? Believe is the labor. We labor to believe because there are contradictory voices coming against you to tell you this is not going to work this is not going to happen. What if it doesn't happen? What if your son remains mentally retarded all his life? You now declare before your sister-in-law, that's not going to happen. And all these thoughts going, it's the labor to believe. That's the kind of labor that God wants that he rewards. When everything is down, you're still believing. That's what happens to Joseph. Right? Everything was down. He was in prison, but he says, but God was with Joseph. Now I tell you, if Joseph was complaining and bitter, God wouldn't be with him. He still was holding on to his dream. Amen? He still was holding on to the dream. He didn't let it go. He had a good position, probably thinking something was going to happen here. <laughs> He's getting real good here now. Maybe the next thing I will, that dream is going to happen. No, he went further down. But he held on to his dream. That's the labor. That's the labor. God wants us to labor. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26. This is what he says now. Let him who stole steal no longer. But rather let him labor. So we come to the labor right now. Working with his hands. What is good? That he might make a living. Is that what he says? Work for a living. Is that what he says? The guy is already stealing, right? God says, go and work so you make some money so you can give it away. (laughs) Is that how to survive? (laughs) His ways are different from our ways. Can you see Revelation here? That's why Jesus said, give and it shall be given to you. So that's how you prepare yourself. You, you, I, I said, wondering, you spend so much money, you, you put it in the bank, right? And in stock market and all of that. But Jesus said, store your treasure in heaven. Why don't you invest it in the kingdom of God and see what happens? 
you pay, put money out for your retirement, right? Why don't you put a little bit back to God up in heaven for your retirement? You think God will forget? You see, we don't think that way. We don't think that way. Putting my money in for my retirement is in heaven. Jesus said, when you store it up there, right? They must donate it. No, no rust. But we think, oh, if I put it up there, I will have to get up there to get it. But that's not what God's talking about. Give and it shall be given to you. So that's what it says. That he may have something to give to the one who is in need. You go from stealing and you work, you get the money, not to live for the money that you work on, but you, so you can give to somebody. Because in giving, that's how you get blessed. That's labor. Amen? That's the true labor. Many times, I've heard preachers say this, well, God's not going to give the money, uh, just let money fall from the sky. That would be illegal, right? Have you heard that? No, you just get money from, from the sky. What kind of stuff is that? But I, I, I've thought about it and I said, wow, that's not right. But then, have you, thought, have you read the scripture where Jesus told Peter to go catch a fish? Yeah. Where did that money come from? <laughs> okay. You know, I'm going to end, I'm gonna end there. If, but the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today. And what we do is we question those things. We've been told, will will your money fall from the sky? So we don't want to believe that anymore. We don't want to believe that God can do any of these things anymore. We don't want to go there. But this is what Jesus did. He told Peter, somebody came to Peter and said, I'm going to just go through the story. Somebody came to Peter and said, do you guys pay taxes? Your master, does he pay tax? And Peter said, yeah, we are Jews. We don't do that kind of. Temple tax. We don't do that. The foreigners do that. But Jesus wasn't there. When Peter came, Jesus walked in. Jesus withstood him and said, Now, nah, Peter, uh, did the sons of the land pay taxes? He said, No. He said, Well, because we don't want to offend them. Now, take, you can catch fish, right? You go to the, the river, whatever he was sent him, go and catch. And he found the fish, the first one. He said, There will be a coin in his mouth. You go figure out where they got their coin. I don't know. But no, the thing about it is, that coin was, whatever that money was, was big enough to pay for Jesus' taxes and for all of the disciples. All of them. All of them. We don't meditate on scriptures like that. So we're always wondering, how is God going to do it? (laughs) Go and catch some fish, okay? (laughs) We are not willing to believe. But I pray that God will speak to your heart today. That's what it says in uh, Isaiah chapter Isaiah chapter 54 to extend the borders of your tent. Amen? We're going to close here. Hopefully, take the word of God that you've read, those scriptures, and start praying with those scriptures. That's prayer. Read them, meditate on them. And start talking back to God about it. And I believe God will respond and change situation. Your family needs the money. Your children, when they grow up and they are going to college, they need the money. You need the money to pay the bill. And also the house of God needs the money to pay bills and do ministry.
you can't, we can't reject what God is giving to us. I mean, stand up with me tonight. You know the grace of God. That though he was rich, he, for your sake, my sake, he became poor. That us, through his poverty, might become rich. We don't know how God's going to do it. But every one of us today, I pray that almost every time we pray in the morning, that God will bless you financially. That's my responsibility. But you need to agree with me. Okay? That's why I'm giving this message. Not because I want to preach on healing, I mean uh, blessings. If you are not in agreement, God cannot do this miracle for us. It's a miracle, right? We have to be in agreement. Two cannot walk together unless they are in agreement. I need you to agree with me that God will bless you financially. It's not about you, please. It's about the word of God and the kingdom of God. When you start thinking about me, that's selfishness. It's about the kingdom of God. God wants your family blessed. So that the unbelievers will see what God's doing in your life. And they will say, you know, we need the same God that you serve. We can see what he's doing in your family. You were struggling. Things have changed for you. Not only the way you live. But look, your children are okay. You're okay. The finances are okay. You just bought a brand new car. All of that. God is a good God. We sang that tonight. Amen. Would you lift your hands up to the Lord tonight? And the thing to do is, if your mind has been against it, ask God for forgiveness. I was recently asking God to forgive me for unbelief. Still do that. God, forgive me for not believing you. I'm sorry. I can't trust you. I, I, I don't know why I couldn't trust you in this, but please forgive me. We need to ask God to forgive us. For rejecting what he has clearly spoken to us. And then we close the door so that the windows of heaven are not open. And God cannot open the heavens to bless us. Because we are only thinking on our resources. God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Not your resources, his riches. So thank God. God, thank you for your promise. That's what you say. Thank you for these promises. I believe them. Affirm, I believe them. And I trust that you are faithful. And I'm trusting that my situation will change. Because I believe you. I believe that there's nothing that you cannot do. I trust in you. It's not about me. It's about your covenant with me. Thank you, Father, for ministering to me. I am willing. Whatever you will for my life, I am willing. I will receive. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Please practice it, okay? Do it constantly. When God reminds you, do it. I want to see blessings just like I see God bless Bill. I want to see that. Amen? God bless you with this name.